You're listening to the podcast, Carlos Avalon, My Music, My Life. Thank you for tuning in. And now, here's your host, Carlos Avalon. I should have asked you for your number, and if you'd like for me to go, because I think I really like The month of June, the month of Father's Day, this is the perfect time to talk about my dad. Edwino Bolcão Avila, Avila, as we pronounce in Portuguese. His English friends called him Eddie, or Edwin. My dad was my mentor, my music teacher, and eventually my first unofficial manager, and then my first musical director, too. I was born into a musical family, but so was dad. His father, Edwino Sr., My grandfather was also a musician, as was one of his brothers, our uncle Francisco, Francisco. Saxophones, alto and tenor, and clarinet were dad's instruments, just like his dad. Sadly, I never got to meet my grandfather. My dad started playing music when he was 14 years old, along with alongside his dad in a very well-known orchestra on the island where I was born. Uh, and he went on to perform in other orchestras, other bands, and marching bands, and eventually became the maestro of a philharmonica there uh, till we came to America in 1966. As a teenager, he also had the luxury of working for a time, at a military base. Uh, Both America and England had bases in the Azores. There is still an American Air Force base there today called Lages. I said that it was a luxury for him to work at one of those because it was his ace when he came to America. He learned to speak English while working there, and it gave him an advantage over many other immigrants. We arrived here in the USA, and within three weeks, because he could speak English, Dad got a job at the San Leander Caterpillar plant um, in California, uh, Caterpillar uh, Tractor Company. He eventually was promoted to management, well, lower management, but still, he and all of us, we were very proud of that promotion. And he stayed with Caterpillar till for about 25 years till he retired. Uh, but also, within two weeks of arriving here, he started playing music on weekends in a Portuguese dance band. That was lucky. We were all lucky. And so with Caterpillar as his day job and playing music on weekends, we were in a good financial situation to start living our American dream. Soon, he got me back into taking music lessons here in America as I had taken piano lessons back in Portugal. One Christmas, all of us got musical instruments. Brother George, a drum set. Brother Louis, percussion instruments. Eventually, Louis was playing marimbas. Uh, 
that also started teaching on his spare time saxophone. When he saw us kids, in us kids, the desire to start our own band, one of his students joined us, and later my cousin too. That being a fan of Sergio Mendes and Brazil 66. Uh, if you're under 50, you probably don't know that band, but Google it Sergio Mendes and Brazil 66. Super powerful, uh, uh, super popular in the 60s and into the 70s. Dad came up with the idea to name our band Azores 68. And soon that, which is when we started playing, inaugurated the band um, in public. And soon after, we were all playing music on weekends. Later on, our mentor, Dad, also became a member of Azor 68. Those were our early days in America and as musicians. When that started seeing the desire in me to pursue a career in music, he supported me in every way. He first he was the first to notice my talents, not only as a musician, but also as a showman an entertainer. Uh, I often describe myself in interviews when asked, what do I consider myself, a pianist or a singer or, or whatever? I, I usually say I consider myself first a showman, second an entertainer, and then a singer and pianist. Um, and he, um, he always uh, was there for me. I, I think he saw that I was aiming to do full-time as a profession what he never had the freedom of doing himself. He also was first to recognize it when I was getting a little tired, or even, ah, I hate to use this word, but I was getting a little bored with performing with Azor 68. Almost every weekend, mostly at Portuguese festival, uh, festivals, festas, we call them, um, as, uh, he could tell. I, I, I wanted more. Um, and I told that, that I did want to branch out, that um, I, I felt um, I was being held back by staying with the band and doing those same gigs over and over again. I wanted to go on, and um, I wanted to 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 uh, produce my own show and get a show together and go perform, audition for casinos, cabarets in Las Vegas, Nevada, uh, was the main, um, the only area that had um, legalized gaming in America at that time. And so that was with me at the very first start, and I will always treasure those early times working with Dad. He was liked by everyone. He was such a good, honorable man. And, uh, and he actually was, in a way, too nice and kind to us. Uh, because now looking back, I, I wish he had been a little tougher, pushed us a little harder. 
And when I hear stories uh, about Michael Jackson's father, um, how tough he was on them, in a way, I wish Dad had been a little more like Mr. Jackson, uh, because um, Mr. Jackson recognized the talent in his kids, but he himself wanted them to become stars and to be successful and to be great in the music and the entertainment recording business. And as I think about it now, I suspect that Dad wasn't pushing us any harder because he wanted us to go at it at our own pace and do what we wanted to do, uh, be what we wanted to be, not what he might have wanted us to be or become. And I appreciate that. And I, I, I now realize that's exactly what he was doing. Um, I'm sure uh, my brothers and sister that were also starting out in the business with me, um, uh, many years later, that became uh, the conductor and maestro of the Portuguese band of San Jose. And, um, and he eventually retired uh, from uh, the music business. And uh, I think uh, George, Connie Marie, Louis, my siblings, probably uh, went on to do their own thing. And uh, I think they would have not liked that to push them or force them to stay uh, with me, with my act, performing. I was the only one that had that uh, fanaticism in me that I wanted nothing else but show business. So uh, Dad knew what he was doing. And then many years later, uh, Dad would join me on the road, and I, whenever he would travel to go see me, whether it was Atlantic City, Vegas, wherever, he, um, uh, I'd ask him to bring either the sax or the clarinet, and I'd ask him to come up on stage. He loved doing that and play a song with me, either on sax or clarinet, and both of us enjoyed those moments. I, I look back and I treasure those memories. I have great photos of us on stage together. Uh, and in a rather selfish uh, way, I guess, uh, you know, the showbiz thing, I loved it when he came on stage and did a song with me because it always guaranteed we'd get a standing ovation. Those little things that touch the audience, the heart of the audience, and they love those things, and we'd always get a standing ovation. And sometimes if that particular show, I'd, he'd, I'd bring him in always around mid-show, mid, mid show, uh, the middle of the show, and he'd get the standing ovation as he'd leave the stage. And then sometimes at the end of that particular show, I wouldn't get a standing ovation. And I'd, I'd tell him, Dad, oh, this is terrible. You got a standing ovation, and I didn't. Oh, this is terrible. And he would start laughing. But anyway, memories, times, I will never, ever forget. And um, um, I, I miss Dad a lot. And uh, uh, not only on Father's Day, but all the time. Uh, I hope all you dads out there had a good and pleasant Father's Day.
June is also Pride Month. And I want to talk a little bit about growing up as a gay guy in a Portuguese Catholic family and in a Portuguese community that was not yet ready for one of their up-and-coming artists to be known as a gay guy. Actually, in the 70s, not only the Portuguese community, but even America, and um, for that matter, the world in general, uh, just you just didn't talk about gay life, and the unspoken rule in society in general was to not talk about it and hide one's true identity. Kind of sad. In a way, I envy the youth of today for the freedom they have to be as they are and who they are. Back when I was growing up, I not only felt I had to hide, but I was expected to hide it. Not only professionally, but also in every part of my personal life. In some ways, what bothered me most was feeling I had to distance myself from guys and friends I was growing up with because I didn't enjoy doing their thing, playing their games, going out with them, hanging out, because it always involved talking about girls or about all the things young guys talk about and do, and because I had a little or very little in common with them, I just started avoiding, avoiding being with them. Friends and relatives my age that I was close to, I started to drift away from, avoid them, so they wouldn't notice how different I was from them. I'm sad for that. I wish I would have been a lot closer to my cousins and other friends, but it's it was the thing I felt to do back then. Eventually, I tried hard to pretend, and I tried to do the having a girlfriend thing. Um, I think mostly I did it for my family, and there was one beautiful girl, um, friends of the family uh, in particular, uh, the only one really, And to this day, I feel terrible that I try to do what guys do, go on a date with her and start calling her on the phone and playing that whole um, game and so on. And then abruptly, I said to myself, I, I can't go on with this. And I stopped abruptly calling her without even explaining to her why. To this day, I feel awful about doing that to her because I know from others that I hurt her. I hurt her big time. Many years later, I finally reconnected with her, came out to her, and didn't know what else to say but apologize to her and say, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry that I hurt you back then. I suspected by then that she had heard all the rumors about me, which soon, very early on, started going around. But she had not. And so I told her my story. 
over lunch one day. She appreciated that and was so kind and sweet to me. I respect her so much. She went on, she married, she has beautiful uh, children, and I have stayed in contact with her from time to time. I'm glad for that. Also, as my solo career started to take off, I had come very close, become, I had become very close to a family friend from my youth, and we had been, in essence, growing up together, and we finally figured out we were both that one thing, we had that one thing in common, and we started to hang out and do lots of things together, uh, always being together. And eventually, well, he was my first. But with both of us hiding it from our families, and because at the time I did need a road manager, I was just starting to tour, perfect. He became my manager. It was our cover, working together, sharing hotel rooms together, in essence, living together. It was love, a first love for both of us. Eventually, other career advisors kept telling me I had to look and get someone else to take interest in managing my career. They, uh, they felt because he was so green, not an entertainment business expert, just learning on the job and not really knowing how to truly manage an artist and a career, but I never listened to them. I was in love, and no one was going to break us apart. Did it hurt my career at that crucial time, at its infancy? Maybe. But, well, the things you do for love... Eventually, we did, um, after about seven years, well, speaking of the seven-year itch, uh, eventually, we did start to grow apart, maybe career pressures, but also uh, many other things, uh, uh, maybe because as gay men, uh, we had never really, to use an old phrase, played the field, and we were both young, ready to get out and explore and live our lifestyle, and go on our own. Fortunately, I'm so lucky. We're both lucky. We've remained there, close friends, and we love each other still today, but of course, in a different way. No, there is no featured song of mine today. Because um, I have so much to say about so many aspects of my life. And I know maybe this is not the format to be saying all these things. Maybe I should just write a book. Hmm, maybe I will. Uh, but the stories I've told you in each episode so far are things I've lived, are important to me, stories I've been longing to share stories of what made me write my songs, the inspiration. And also, I look at it this way. If I were to drop dead tomorrow, God forbid, but those things do happen, sadly, um, this podcast and, and these episodes are recorded 
recorded forever. And just maybe one of you, one of my friends, one family member will go back and listen to these episodes and learn something about me they never knew before. Now, believe me, this podcast is going to go through an evolution. Uh, this thing is evolving, and changes to its style are coming. Uh, for instance, next month, I plan to have my first invited guest. Uh, the second um, episode, as you know, I'm with, I, uh, I'm with you every two weeks, and it'll be the second episode in the month of July that I will have my first guest. I'll tell you all a lot about it in two weeks. I think you'll find that guest in our conversation very interesting, and I plan to have other guests and do other things with, with, with the podcast. And when I'm back doing shows, get ready. I have so many ideas um, I think you'll enjoy. Um, I, I, I want to um, record and do some behind-the-scenes uh, podcast episodes when we're in rehearsals or before the show, after the show. So um, I just hope contracts eventually start coming in. Also, I, I'm uh, starting to think now about soliciting and, and going after sponsors because, as you know, I've been an unemployed entertainer for over a year, and uh, I eventually not only need to start performing and getting contracts and making money and making a living at it, but also the podcasts, you know, can be um, a financial source, and I hope to uh, start m making some money from this. I, I hope you keep listening because I need so many listeners per episode to really get sponsors, but um, um, I'm just excited uh, about all that is to come. And um, uh, I, I won't always talk just about my personal life. I guess that's what I'm saying. And, uh, and you know, there's a lot more to come. In June, we also celebrate, on June 10th, we celebrated Portugal Day equaled kind of to our 4th of July here. And so this is the month I say I have pride in being Portuguese. I have pride in being an American by choice. And I have pride in being a gay man. Jude, uh, June is indeed Pride Month. Thanks for listening. And that's it for now. See you next time. Thank you for listening. Please join us again in two weeks for another episode of Carlos Avalon, My Music, My Life. Now it's not a silly thing.